ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise him, seek his assistance and forgiveness We seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves And the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to continue this afternoon our review of the notes that were compiled as uh, additional information for our study of Mustalah Hadith based upon the book of Sheikh Suhaib Hassan Abdul Ghaffar Hafidhullah May Allah protect and preserve him His book entitled Al-Ma'rifah The Ulum Al-Hadith or an introduction to the science of Hadith During those lectures um, we try to compile some organized notes in addition to what the Sheikh has mentioned in the book and in lecture number 6 he talked about or in the chapter that we covered in lecture number 6 he talked about the classification of hadith according to the number of reporters at every stage in the chain the classification of hadith according to the number of reporters at every stage in the chain that means that at the first stage meaning the first people who reported the hadith the sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een what were the number of people who reported that hadith? One or two or three or many? And at the second stage, the tabi'oon, rahimahumullah, how many people reported from the sahabi who heard the hadith or the sahaba, radiallahu anhum ajma'een, they were a number who heard the hadith, how many people reported from them in the second stage or the second level, the tabi'oon? And likewise, the atba' tabi'in or tabi tabi'in and so on from one level to the next until the chain is completed at the musannaf the one who collected the hadith in a book such as the musnad of imam ahmed or the muwatta of imam malik or the sahih of al-bukhari or the sunan of abu Dawood and so on and that chain at every level we look at the number of narrators and the least number in, ev- in any level the least number is the one that we base our ruling upon. The least number is one, even if the next level has 10 or 20 or 30 and so on, then we will consider the least number. And based on that, the hadith would be classified into two primary categories, mutawatir or ahad. Mutawatir, it has a large number of narratives at every level, and ahad, if it is less than that. And if it doesn't reach the number that would and we classify it as mutawatir 
And we also said the Ahad Hadith classified into three categories, also according to the number. Um, Mashhur and Aziz and Gharib. If it has one narrated at any level, the least number is one, then we say that it is Gharib. If it, the least number is two or more, then it will be classified as Aziz. And if it's three or more, as Mashhur. So we said here in the notes, the linguistic and technical definition of mutawatir. Linguistically, that which is consecutive or comes in succession. Yani, consecutively, in every level, there was a large number. That's the linguistic meaning, consecutive, one succession. And the technical meaning of mutawatir, that which is reported by a large number of people. That by such a large number of people, that it would be impossible under normal circumstances for those people to conspire or forge conspire to forge or fabricate that hadith right? so. <clears throat> the, important, the important point in this definition is that there are a large number of people at every level and that under normal circumstances it's unlikely if not impossible for those people to have come together and conspired and schemed to fabricate or forge a hadith against the Prophet and therefore that hadith would be considered as sahih even without consideration of the individual people in the chains of narration. The fact that it's reported mutawatir by a large number at every level, making it impossible for them to have conspired, is sufficient for us to accept that hadith as being authentic. Then we said that the conditions, the shurut for hadith mutawatir, is number one, that it be reported by a very large number of people, and that number is not agreed upon. What is the number? Four, or five, or ten, or seventy, or more than that. Number two, that large number of reporters is found in every level of the chain. And that this large number of reporters, it should be, that this large number of reporters is found in every level of the chain. Not in some levels or in most levels, but in every level. Number three, that under normal circumstances it would be impossible to conspire or forge that report or that which has been narrated from the Prophet some of his actions or sayings or approvals and lastly, D, that its basis be derived from something known by the senses, sight, hearing, or feeling, and not something that is just derived by the intellect, such as a theory or a principle or rule, 2 plus 2 equals 4, and it may be agreed upon. Mutawatir has been reported like such, and it's not something, and it's something that the intellect derives. So it should be something that was seen, or something that was heard, or something that was experienced that is being reported from the Prophet. The ruling of the Mutawatir Hadith is that it, yani that, that which is reported Mutawatir is Al-Ilm Al-Baruri or Yaqini. Certain knowledge is derived from it about which a person is obligated to accept just as if he or she had actually witnessed it. There's no need to seek out the status of the chain of reporters. Yani it's ilm daruri, yaqini, that about which there's no doubt. It's as though you saw it yourself. The hadith that is important, mutawatir, is obligatory enough to accept it and to have no question about it. The divisions of mutawatir, we said are two, mutawatir lavi, yani in the actual wording, and mutawatir and ma'nawi, in meaning only. And of those hadith which are reported, mutawatir lavi, the actual wording of the hadith, the same wording has been reported by many chains of narrators, Amongst those hadith is the hadith whoever lies upon me intentionally then let him take his seat in the hellfire. 
Naam. Uh, this hadith is a warning. People should be careful to report or to ascribe or attribute to the Prophet that which they cannot confirm. And as for mutawatir al-ma'nawi, meaning only, the meaning, the same meaning has been reported through many chains, uh, such as the raising of hands in supplication. And here, this is general. Raising of hands in supplication is general from the sunnah. Though it was not from the sunnah to raise the hands in the supplication immediately after the obligatory prayers. Prophet ﷺ didn't use to do so. But in general, supplication outside of on this occasion, in general, is from the sunnah to raise one's hands when supplicating. And this is also applicable in Salat, uh, in the Qunut, in Salat al-Witr, it is from the sunnah to raise one's hands in the dua of Qunut in Salat al-Witr. And it's not from the sunnah to wipe one's face after completing that dua, as the majority of the people you will see doing today in the Qunut of Salat al-Witr, most of the people when the dua is finished, they will wipe their face. It is not authentically reported to wipe the face on this occasion, though it is authentically reported to raise the hands. Uh, likewise, he men- we mentioned that of the hadith mutawatir in meaning is the punishment in the grave, which is a fundamental that is believed and agreed upon by the Ahl Sunnah as part of the Aqidah of Islam, belief in the punishment in the grave. The fountain, the hawd of the Prophet ﷺ on the day of resurrection, building of a masjid for the sake of Allah and so on. Then we talked about Khabar al-Ahad, linguistically, Ahad, it means, it is the plural of one. Uh, technically, that which does not fulfill all the conditions of mutawatir. And al-Ahad means all the hadith that don't fulfill the conditions of being mutawatir. The rest of the hadith are classified as Ahad. And the ruling concerning the hadith Ahad is that, we derive from it al-ilm and nazari knowledge which requires investigation to confirm its authenticity or its indications. There are two points here, that the knowledge derived from the hadith ahad is knowledge which requires investigation. Number one, to confirm the authenticity by examining the chain of narratives, whether those people are reliable or not, of good memory and character, and the chain is complete, and also it requires investigation or consideration to look at the text of what has been narrated to determine what is its indication. And we use it as a proof for what? What does it indicate? What does the hadith indicate? The divisions of al-hadith al-ahad according to the number of chain of narrators are three or more al-mashhur, two or more aziz and one gharib according to the lowest number at any level in the chain. Al-mashhur linguistically means well-known or famous and technically that which is reported by three or more people at every level in the chain and it has not, or it does not fulfill the conditions of mutawatir. The mashhur has also been uh, divided into two categories, al-mashhur, al-istilahi, which is the def- definition which we just gave, the technical definition, and the, it is also used in another way, al-mashhur, ghayr al-istilahi, yani other than the technical meaning. And al-mashhur, when it's used, and other than the technical meaning that we mentioned here, that in every chain, on every level of the chain of narratives, there are three or more reporters. It may apply to a number of different things. One of them, that which is reported through one chain of narrators. That which is reported through more than one chain. And that which has no chain of narrators at all. Yani, here, the people use mashhur in other than the technical meaning 
to refer to that which may have one chain or more chains or no chain at all. But what they mean is that it's mashhur, meaning it's famous, not in consideration of the chain of narrators, but that it's famous. Many people are mentioning this hadith. That's the other than the technical meaning. It's ruling. Neither of the two types of mashhur is necessarily described as sahih or da'if. It may be sahih, it may be hasan, it may be da'if, it may be mawdu'ah. Yani, the fact that a hadith is mashhur in the technical meaning or in the other than the technical meaning is not an indication. That is sahih other than sahih. And it has to be examined to see about its authenticity. As for al-aziz, linguistically it means rare or strong and technically it means that which is reported by no less than two narrators. No less than two narrators at every level of the chain. Even if it exceeds two at some of the levels in the chain of narrators. An example of hadith aziz is one of you is a believer and he has perfect belief or complete iman until I am more beloved to him than his father, his child and all of mankind. This hadith reported by Al-Bukhari al-Muslim, Muttafaqun alayhi. And this hadith has been reported with chains of narrators that include at least two narrators at every level. Its ruling it is not necessarily described as sahih or da'if. It may be any one of them. Also a hadith being aziz is not a condition for authenticity. It is not a condition for authenticity as claimed by some of the scholars. I mean, some of the scholars said that if a hadith is not at least aziz, we cannot call it as sahih. That means that any hadith that's gharib has one narrator at any level and that hadith will not be sahih and this opinion is rejected because there are a number of hadith that are gharib such as which is reported by al-Bukhari Muslim and it is hadith gharib it has one narrator at three different levels at the first three levels in the chain there are only one narrator and then after that many people reported it yet it is hadith sahih of the highest level of siha because it's muttafiqun alayh reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim. So those who said that being Aziz, the Isnad being Aziz is a condition for authenticity is rejected. It's ruling. Um, as we said, yani it's not necessarily Sahih or Da'if but it depends after examination. The last category is Gharib. Linguistically means single or alone or far from one's relatives. And yani being in a strange place away from one's family and technically it means that which is reported by a single narrator at one or more levels of the chain of narratives. Another name for Gharib hadith is Al-Fard. And hadith Al-Gharib is also sometimes referred to as Al-Fard. It is the opinion of Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqani that the two expressions Al-Fard and Al-Gharib have the same meaning. Except that Al-Fard is more commonly used to refer to Al-Fard al-Mutlaq and reported by a single narrator from a companion. And Al-Gharib is more commonly used to refer to Al-Gharib and Nisbi reported by a single narrator at a later level in the chain. And if the single narrator is in the beginning of the chain, the one who reports from Sahaba, then it may be referred to as Al-Fard Al-Mutlaq. And if it came somewhere else along the line in the chain, then sometimes it's referred to as Nisbi, Al-Gharib Nisbi. In any case, both of these terms are interchangeable. Then we talked about these two terms, Al-Fard Mutlaq and Al-Fard Al-Gharib Nisbi. You can look at the notes, it's not really that important to make the distinction between them. And the hadith which is gharib could be sahih or da'if, though more often than not, it is weak. A lot of the hadith that Imam al-Tirmidhi rahimahullah refers to as gharib, hadith gharib, more often than not, they are weak. In lecture number seven, 
we talked about uh, the hadith or classification of hadith according to the manner in which the hadith is reported according to the manner in which the hadith is reported and here under this title the shaykh talked about tadlis and its types and the types of tadlis are many there are two primary types and there are three types that we actually explained in some detail uh, tadlis is the action and al-mudallis is the one who does that action al-mudallis linguistically is derived from at-tadlis, the action itself which means hiding the defect of a product from the purchaser and hiding a defect, covering it up in some way so that you can deceive somebody to buy something giving them the impression that something is any better than it really is technically it means hiding the defect in the chain of narrators to improve its appearance and to hide the defect, the weak narrator or narrators in order to give the appearance that that isnad is a good isnad so that the people would accept the hadith the divisions of a tadlis aqsam al-tadlis has two principal divisions tadlis al-isnad and tadlis al-shuyukh the worst of them is the first tadlis al-isnad uh, concerning tadlis al-isnad there are a number of definitions and there are books written about it where the scholars differ about those definitions and I try to summarize here the most important of what has been said concerning Tadlis al-Isnad Tadlis al-Isnad has a number of definitions from early scholars including the narrator reports from his teacher whom he has heard some hadith from other hadith which he has not heard directly from his teacher and he heard some hadith from a particular shaykh but this hadith that he is reporting now is not from the hadith he heard from him maybe he heard it from somebody else who heard it from that he didn't hear it directly here also an important part of this definition not only he is reporting a hadith which he didn't hear directly from the teacher but he is actually but he has actually heard it through a third party and meaning that when he reported the hadith from his teacher he has deleted somebody from the chain the one who he really heard it from who was the person between him and his shaykh and he used an expression such as qala he said or an from which gives the impression without actually saying it that what he has heard that he has heard it directly from his teacher yani when he says qala or an it gives the impression that he is claiming that he heard it from that shaykh but it's not yani he's not really saying I heard it directly from him if he said sami'tu or akhbarani or haddathani this kind of terminology indicates that the person who used that term is claiming specifically and clearly that he heard directly from that shaykh but if he says qala he said then it's true that the shaykh really did say but he didn't hear him say it somebody else heard him say it so this gives the impression he's trying to use a word that's vague that will give the person the impression that I heard it directly from that shaykh when in fact he didn't hear it directly from him but he doesn't want to lie and said Sanat so I heard it he doesn't want to lie so he used a word that's vague and that way he won't be classified as a liar but nonetheless it is a form of deception the other definition of Tadlis al-Isnad is the narrative reports from a contemporary scholar whom he may or may not have met yani a scholar who he lived in the same time with him but he may ne- not necessarily has heard hadith from that shaykh but because he lived in the same time it's possible that he could have met him and it's possible that he could have heard hadith from him and many of the scholars accepted the hadith of a person who lived in the same time as the shaykh as the shaykh who he came to hear it from even though they don't have any proof that he really heard from him but they said as long as he lived in the same time then we accept his claim that he heard from that shaykh so whoever reports from a contemporary scholar 
hadith which he did not hear from him. And this is the common point between both definitions, is that the person reports something from a shaykh, who he heard from or who he didn't hear from, who he met or he didn't meet, but at least there was a possibility that he could have met him, and he narrates from a hadith which he didn't hear from him. And he uses an expression, any vague expression such as qala or an, giving the impression without actually saying it. I mean, without actually lying, saying I heard it. But he gives the impression that he heard it from him. Um, he gives the impression that he heard it directly from the contemporary scholar while he actually heard it through a third party. Some scholars view the second definition as al-mursal al-khafi, and he under the hadith mursal. But in any case, these are two of the most important definitions given about tadbis al-isnad. And what we should know about tadbis al-isnad is that a person narrates hadith from a shaykh, hadith which they didn't hear directly from him. They heard it from somebody else who heard it from him, but they narrate it in such a way that they give you the impression that they heard it from him, which means that somebody has been deleted from the isnad, which means that if we know that, the hadith has to be rejected. If somebody has been deleted and we don't know who it is, then we cannot accept the hadith. So tadlis caused the hadith to be rejected except with certain conditions. The second type of tadlis or the second category that we mentioned here, Tadlis al-Taswiyah, comes under the general category of Tadlis al-Isnad, because it also includes deleting somebody from the chain of narrators. But this type of deleting a narrator from the chain is more severe. It has a special characteristic that's different from the general Tadlis al-Isnad. This Tadlis al-Taswiyah, it is a subtype of Tadlis al-Isnad, but it's a little different. And the problem with this one and why it's more severe is because the person who has been deleted is definitely a weak narrator. And the two people that he is between are authentic, reliable, trustworthy, thicker narrators. So when that person has been deleted, the weak narrator between two trustworthy narrators, then anybody who sees that Isnad will say it's definitely Sahih. When in fact it's definitely Daif. So this is very severe. Whereas in Tadris al-Isnad in general, the person who is deleted might be weak or not weak. And the person, the two people who are around that person might be reliable or unreliable. So it's, you won't necessarily automatically declare as sahih. But in this case, because the two people who are around him on both sides of him are authentic, reliable narrators, when he's deleted, khalas, the people will say the hadith is sahih. This is why this type of tadlis is more severe. And the definition that I gave here is as I just said, as I summarized it. Uh, the second type or the second major category after Tadlis al-Isnad and its subcategory, Tadlis al-Taswiyah, the second general category is Tadlis al-Shuyukh. And this is the least and it's severe of the types of Tadlis. Tadlis al-Shuyukh, it is a type of Tadlis in which nobody is deleted, nobody has been removed. The Isnad is complete as the person narrates it, except that he reports his, from his shaykh or describes him in such a way that his identity is hidden. And he mentions that he heard from the Shaykh, but here it says, this is when he narrated reports a hadith, which he has actually heard from his teacher. Then mentions his teacher with a name, or a kunya, yani abu so-and-so, um so-and-so, whatever, a title or a description which he is not well known by, in order to hide his, his true identity. Yani he describes him in a way that people will not know really who he is. My name that he is not well known by, though it may really be his name, or a kunya that he is not known by generally. The ruling concerning the practice of a tadlis, tadlis al-isnad is considered makruh, hated by most of the scholars. Tadlis al-taswiyah is considered as the most hated type, and tadlis al-shiyuf is the least hated of the types of tadlis. The ruling concerning reports 
from those who practice tadlis, the first opinion is all their narrations are rejected. And anybody who practices tadlis, if we know that he is a mudallis, his narrations, the first opinion is all his narrations are rejected. Even if they make it clear that they heard that particular hadith from the teacher whom they are reporting from. And even if they use the language that's clear, they didn't say an or qala, but they said haddafani or akhbarani or sami'atu, clear language that they heard it directly from their shaykh, even when they say that, the first opinion is that still reject, we reject the hadith of a mudallis, no matter how he reports it, no matter if the expression is clear or vague. The second opinion, which is the, the actually more correct opinion, is that there should be a distinction made between the reports of narrations which the mudallis makes clear, and which the mudallis makes clear that he has heard it from his teacher. And when he makes it clear that he heard it from his teacher, then we can accept his hadith in general. These should be accepted, and those which use expressions which do not make it clear to be rejected. And this is the more correct opinion, unless there are other factors. But otherwise, if that uh, person who does tadlis is a good narrator, and he makes it clear that he heard it from his shaykh, then we have no doubt that he has deleted someone, and that case is hadith can be accepted. Uh, perhaps we can stop here. Because the next uh, lecture we dealt with Shaz, Shaz, and Munkar, and Mudraj, and all of these terminologies are very important, requiring a little more time. So I don't want to race through them. Inshallah, I hope that you will read them uh, before the next meeting and be a little familiar with them because these terminologies are a little more tricky. Um, if there's any question about what we discussed today or last week, anything that's unclear or any comment, we can take it now, otherwise we'll look at some hadith, or at least one hadith in the time remaining, or some discussion about the terminologies of Salah Hadith which we have been covering during this course. Is there any question or comment or anything? Actually today we were supposed to look at some hadith from a book called Ahkam al-Siyam, in which there's some good discussion concerning, concerning the uh, classifications of hadith um, related to fasting but unfortunately yesterday or the day before I don't know how somehow I lost the book so any case in any case we'll take a hadith from Irwal Ghalil volume 4 um, which is the exp- or the any study of the hadith takhreej of the hadith from the book of Fiqh Manar al-Sabil and um, one hadith from the book of Siyam which relates and I'll try to summarize the discussion because it's pretty lengthy uh, it relates to hadith hadith number 919 page 36 the hadith of Ibn Abbas and Anas whenever the Prophet used to break his fast he used to say Allahumma laka sunnah oh Allah for you we have fasted and with your provisions or sustenance which you have provided for us, we have broken our fast. Allahumma taqabbal minna, O Allah, accept from us, innaka anta sami'i al-alim. Verily you are the one who hears everything and the one who knows everything. This hadith is one of the most common supplications that have been quoted in the books about fasting from the Prophet wasallam. sometimes with different wordings. And here the Shaykh discusses it in length and in detail. I'll try to summarize as much of it as possible. First he says, as is his practice in this book, Irwa al after he mentions the hadith, 
he usually mentions his ruling concerning that hadith. Does, does he consider it as being sahih or hasan or da'if or whatever? And then he goes to narrate the different chains and different reports concerning that hadith and the discussions of the scholars concerning it that based on those discussions he made his determination from. So he says that this hadith is da'if. It's da'if. Weak hadith. And the author of the book Manar al-Sabir mentions this hadith as the hadith of Ibn Abbas and Anas. And from two of the so he first mentions as for the hadith of Ibn Abbas where Ibn Abbas reported this hadith and then later he gets to the hadith of Anas the reports from Anas of the same hadith as for the hadith of Ibn Abbas he said that it has been narrated by Abdul Malik Ibn Harun Ibn Untarah from his father from his grandfather Marfu'an uh, and marfu'an meaning tribute to the Prophet Marfu' the saying of Sahabi. Marfu' is the saying of the Prophet He said this hadith is reported by Ad-Darqutni in his Sunan and Ibn Sunni in his book Amal Al-Yawm Wal-Layla and mentions the number Al-Tabrani Al-Mu'jam Al-Kabir the page and volume and so on and then he said I say this hadith is very weak. Da'if jiddan. And it has two illa. Two what? Defects. Two defects. The first of them is Abdul Malik. And in the Isnad that he mentioned here, it's narrated from Abdul Malik ibn Harun ibn Utra from his father, from his grandfather. Yani attributed to the Prophet. The first defect is that Abdul Malik ibn Harun is da'if jiddan. Very weak. As Zahabi said in his book Al Du'afa, Farakuhu wa qal al-Sa'di Tajjal. Farakuhu means he has been left, abandoned. And usually in Arabic that the scholars abandoned, they left him matruh, that means that he is severely, severely weak and to be rejected. Otherwise they wouldn't use such a term for him. And Tajjal also is a very severe term of criticism of an Arabic. The second problem with this hadith is Harun ibn Utra, and the son of the father of Abdul Malik, that he is mukhtalifi, and the scholars differ about him. Some of them affirmed him, and some of them rejected him. Imam al-Zahabi, rahimahullah, said in his book Al-Mizan, reporting from Al-Barakutni, the great scholar of Ilm, that he is, يعني, he said, يعني, he said that Al-Barakutni has declared him to be da'if. Ibn Hibban, rahimahullah, in his book, Al-Du'afa. That which is in contradiction to the well-known principles or foundations in Islam, or that which a weak narrator reports in contradiction to a strong narrator. Then he says also, Ibn Hibban says, Yarwi al-Manakir, Al-Kathira, that he has reported many Munkar hadith, many, not only this one, but many. Ibn Hibban said that so many Munkar hadith he narrated that you get the feeling in your heart that he has narrated them intentionally, not by mistake. And Ibn Hibban says that it's not permissible to use him, that which he has reported, as a proof in any case or in any circumstance. That's how severely weak he is. Then Ibn Hibban narrates him in his book, Al-Thiqat, and in the book of good narrators. And Ibn Hibban, rahimahullah, says, um, 
Yani that, that he, yani he didn't say that he was thiqa, but he just reported his name in the book of thiqat, which is not really a strong confirmation for Ibn Hibban. Sometimes Ibn Hibban narrates many people in his book of thiqat, but are not really strong. But if he says that he's really thiqa, if he says it in words, then that has yani, some basis, and it can be accepted. But here he just mentioned him in his book, and also that some other people also confirmed him. And Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj in Al-Takrib says, La ba's bihi. Yani la ba's bihi, meaning that he's not severely weak. Sheikh al-Bani says that the problem in this isnad is from the son of Harun, yani from Abdul Malik. That the problem is from him, and for this reason, Al-Imam ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, says in Zad al-Ma'ad, وَلَا يثبت. Yani that this hadith is not confirmed. It's not an acceptable hadith. وَقَالَ الْحَافِظِ التلخيص الحافظ بن حجر الاسكناني said in his book التلخيص التلخيص الحبير سنده ضعيف this chain of narrators is ضعيف الحيثم he said in his book المجمع المجمع الزوائد he said رواه التبراني في الكبير وفي عبد المالك بن حرون وهو ضعيف يعني this hadith narrated by التبراني in his book المعجم الكبير and in the chain of narrators عبد المالك بن حرون and he is weak and here Shaykh al-Bani says that they have been a little lenient. The last two uh, reporters who said that he is da'if, or the last two scholars said that he is da'if, he said that they have been lenient in what they have said, for in fact what should have been said about him is not that he is da'if, but that he is da'if jiddan. And here he makes an important comment for us related to the consideration of hadith, which have some defect, and if it came through many different chains of marriage, perhaps it could be raised up to Hassan. Hassan? He says that the reason why it should be said about this narrator, who very, very, has been very, very severely criticized, the reason why it should be said that he's Daif Jiddan. He is in fact Daif Jiddan, and it is a sort of leniency just to say that he's Daif. Because uh, for fear that some people may be deceived by this description of him just being Daif, and they might find other chains of narrators and consider them as being supporting one another and raise it up to Hassan Lirayrihi. Such as the hadith which follows, the second narration of hadith, the one from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. Perhaps some people will find that it has been quoted by more than one chain and they might consider it to be Hassan Nigayrihi. So the Shaykh says that they might be deceived by this and based on the well known rule in Mustalah hadith that a hadith which is da'if might be raised up if it came through many other chains of narration. But of the conditions for hadith to be da'if to be raised up is that the one who narrated that hadith shouldn't have a severe defect, shouldn't be severely da'if. But if we said that he is da'if, we might think that he's not really that weak, and we might consider that hadith possibly to be raised up. Um, and this is not so in the case of this hadith. Yani that it's not a minor weakness, but it is a severe weakness. As for the hadith, the second chain, that is, or the second hadith which has been reported of this meaning from Anas, radiallahu anhu, he said that it has been reported through Ismail ibn Amr al-Bajali. Ismail ibn Amr al-Bajali. Uh, who reported the hadith from Dawood ibn Zaburqan. Who reported it from Shu'aba, who is one of the great scholars of hadith. From Thabit ibn Bunani, one of the uh, Tabi'een. Or one of the Sahaba from, yani from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said that 
in his narration, the wording of the hadith is, كَانَ إِذَا أَفْتَرَ قَالَ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ And whenever the Prophet used to break his fast, he used to say, Bismillah, Allahumma laka sumtu. Oh Allah, for you, I have fasted. Here, then the singular. And the other one, laka sumna. Here, laka sumtu. Wa ala rustiqa aftartu. This one is in the singular, the other one is in the plural. But the meaning is almost exactly the same. This hadith has been reported by Al Tabrani in Al Mu'jim Al Sagheer. And also in his Mu'jim Al Awsat. Um, Abu Nu'aym in Akbar Al Asbahan. Tabrani said, سَفَرُّذَ بِهِ إِسْمَائِلِ بْنِ عَمْرِ يعني that Ismail ibn Amr, he was alone in narrating this hadith, Al-Bajli. The Shaykh says, and he is da'if. And Al-Zahabi said in his book, Al-Du'afa, da'afahu غَيْرَ وَاحِدِ يعني that more than one of the scholars has considered him to be da'if. And then the Shaykh says, وَشَيْخُهُ not only that, but also his Shaykh Dawood ibn Zaburqan, منه يعني is the worst يعني is considered to be more evil or worse than him. Al-Dahabi said about his sheikh about the sheikh of uh, Ismail ibn Amr al-Bajli قال أبو داود Al-Dahabi is calling from Abu, Imam Abu Dawood matruq said that he is matruq which is the lowest level or the worst type of criticism that can be mentioned uh, after considering someone to be an outright liar or fabricated against the Prophet قال الإمام البخاري مقارب الحديث مقارب الحديث أو مقارب الحديث وثبتها أو تسرع النشوة is no vowel here but the meaning of مقارب and مقارب الحديث is almost the same مقارب حديث means that the narrator's hadith are near or similar to the hadith of other scholars and مقارب حديث means that the hadith of others are near to his hadith so and it's almost the same meaning and some of the scholars said that مقارب الحديث it means that uh, that person, and it's somewhat of a any good statement against him or for him, but not really certify him, him as being strong. But that he's not, and he doesn't conflict a lot with other narrators, which is, and a suggestion that he's not that bad as a narrator. Al Hawil Al Askarani says in the Taqrib, Matruq, said that he is Matruq. Kazabahu Al Azdi called him a liar, a fabricator against the Prophet. Uh, and this hadith concerning it, Al-Haytham, he says, in Majma' Zawaid, Rahu al-Tabarani, Tabarani has narrated in his awsat, and it contains Dawood ibn Zaburqan, and he is Daif. Here the Shaykh says um, that it's also not only narrated in the awsat, the Mu'ajam al-Awsat, but also in the Mu'ajam al-Sagheer of al-Tabarani. And then he says, um, this hadith has also been narrated from another chain, Mursalan, Mursal. Mursal meaning that it has been, it has a break in the chain. From which side? From the Tabi'i, who reported, who reports a hadith saying, Qala Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or Fa'ala Rasul, or and so on. While, of course, he didn't hear any hadith from the Prophet, sallallahu indicating that the hadith has a break in it. So he said it has been narrated, Mursalan, from Hussein ibn Abdurrahman, and Mu'az ibn Zahra, أنه بلغه. That the Prophet ﷺ, كان إذا أفتر قال اللهم لك سمت وعلى رسقك أفترت. And that it has reached me that the Prophet ﷺ used to say whenever he used to break his fast, O oh Allah, for you have fasted, and upon your provisions I break the fast. Um, this hadith has been reported by Abdullah ibn Mubarak in his book Al-Zuhud, and others, including Abu Dawood and Al-Bayhaqi, reported it from Abu Dawood and Ibn Abi Shaybah in his Musannaf. 
and others, all of them from by way of Hussein, this narrator Hussein ibn Abdurrahman, except that some of them didn't say, or none of them said, Ballagahu, as it's reported here, Ballagahu, um, except Abu Dawood. And Ballagahu means that it reached him, meaning that there's not a complete chain. There's also a break in the chain. In any case, the Shaykh says concerning this hadith that its isnad is daif. Not only is it mursal, not only is there a break after the tabi, but also mu'ad, the person in the isnad that is uh, that Hussein ibn Abdurrahman reports from, Mu'ad ibn Abi Zuhra, he is Majhul, Majhul al-Ain. He says Majhul here, but here he means Majhul al-Ain. And the proof of that is what he says later, because nobody mentioned that anybody reported from him, that anybody reported from this narrator except Hussein ibn Abdurrahman. And yani nobody reported from Mu'ad except Hussein ibn Abdurrahman. And we said that. Uh, Majhul is of two types, Majhul al-Hal, Majhul al-Ain. Majhul al-Ain means that only one person reported from them. And they, no one gave them certification. Majhul al-Hal means two or more reported from them, but likewise nobody gave them certification. In any case, he's not certified, so he wouldn't be accepted. But Majhul al-Ain is worse, because nobody reported from him except one person. And here in this case, this narrator, he's Majhul Al-Ain, because nobody reported from him except Hussein ibn Abdurrahman. Uh, also Ibn Abi Hatim narrated him or mentioned him in his book, Jarh al-Ta'adil, and he didn't mention anything against him or for him. And Ibn Hibban mentioned him in the section of al-Tabi'een, in his book, Al-Thiqat, the reliable narratives, but also not saying anything, just mentioning his name in that book, which is not really a strong certification and this has been mentioned in the Tahdeeb by Al-Hafiz bin Hajj al while nobody actually has given him tawfiq or confirmation. But Al-Hafiz said in a taqrib concerning this reporter that he is maqbool and acceptable. But maqbool is the terminology that Al-Hafiz bin Hajj uses that means that the, the narrator is not really a strong narrator. But he is acceptable if somebody else narrated the same thing, similar to him, supporting him. Otherwise, he is Yani, not strong and not to be accepted. Yani, here the Shaykh says here that he's maqbool and then he explains that half it means by that he's maqbool in the al-mutaba'a. Yani, when somebody else also narrates a hadith supporting him. And this is mentioned by Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqanani in the introduction to his book, Al-Taqreeb. So, even though there are two chains of narration here, uh, both of them are weak, very, very weak. Da'ifan jiddan. And neither of those can be used as supporting for this hadith. So the hadith remains weak. In spite of that, some of the scholars classified this hadith as sahih. A group of scholars classified it as sahih. And Shaykh al-Libani says, I don't know how I have been affected by them. In my comments on the sahih of Ibn Khuzaymah, and in his commentary related to sahih Ibn Khuzaymah, and he also uh, somehow let this hadith pass by him, even though he said that I considered the tasheed or the considering of the hadith as sahih by these people, I considered it to be strange. How can they classify it as sahih? But in any case, uh, since there is no shahid or supporting narration that is strong to support this hadith, then it remains as a weak hadith. And it is the end of what he said here. Uh, in any case, the main one of the main benefits of this discussion 
is how a hadith is examined. It is called an i'tibar. And Sheikh Suhaib mentioned it in the book briefly, i'tibar. And you're looking at the various chains of narration of a hadith in order to see if there's something that can support it. Can it be supported and therefore be raised up if it has a defect? This type of consideration or examination is called i'tibar. And this is what the Shaykh is doing in this discussion of the hadith, looking at the other chains and examining each of them, trying to see if any of them are stronger or weaker or what are the defects in them and whether or not if we combine them, if it can be considered as hasan li or hasan bi majmu'a al-turuq. Bi majmu'a al-turuq means when, by the collection of different chains of narration, perhaps it will be strengthened and raised up to an acceptable level. But in any case, as he said in the beginning, and he summarized in the end, the hadith doesn't have any strong supporting narrations that can be considered as strengthening it. And therefore, the hadith remains da'if. So, in any case, this hadith is important in that it is a common supplication that are reported in many books, uh, and it is not any authentic. So, it shouldn't be used as a supplication at the time of breaking the fast. اللهم لك سمت وعلى رزقك أفطرت or in the first narration اللهم لك سمنا وعلى رزقك أفطرنا that oh Allah uh, for you I have fasted or we have fasted and with the provisions of sustenance that you have given us I have broken my fast or we have broken our fast but what is there? is there something? It's common everywhere. Also, we used to use it for many years until we learned that it is weak. Now, we didn't learn from our ancestors because they were not Muslims, but we learned from the people who came from the Muslim land. <laughs> Sheikh al-Bani, there's no time here, but Sheikh al-Bani mentions uh, the discussion of this. The next hadith that came in Manar al-Sabil is the hadith of Ibn Umar marfu'an kana idha aftara qal that the Prophet sallallahu whenever he used to break his fast he used to say zahaba al-dham wabtallat al-uruq wasabata al-ajr insha'Allah reported by al-Darqutni and Shaykh al-Adani says this hadith is hasan yani zahaba al-dham wabtallat al-uruq means that the thirst has gone and the veins have become moistened yani from the eating and drinking wasabata al-ajr and the reward has been confirmed, the reward for fasting, insha'Allah. This hadith, Shaykh al-Bani says, is Hassan, and he has a long discussion about it, which we don't have the time to complete today. But in any case, he said that the hadith is Hassan, it's reported by, also, not only by Darqutni, it's reported by Abu Dawood, and Nasa'i, and Sunan al-Kubra, in his major book of Sunan, Ibn Sunni, al-Darqutni, al-Hakim, and al-Mustadraq, al-Bayhati, uh, in his Sunan, by way of Ali ibn Hassan, ibn Shaqiq, who narrated from Al-Hussein ibn Waqid, who reported from Marwan ibn Salam, Al-Maqfa' who said, Ra'itu ibn Abbas, يقبض على لحيته فيقطع ما زاد عن الكف وقال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أفطر to the end of the hadith. And in this hadith, Shaykh al-Bani says, is Hassan. Uh, the discussion concerning it, there's no time to complete it. But in any case, if anyone would like to mention a hadith. This is the stronger hadith concerning this matter. Perhaps it's the strongest hadith that has been reported in terms of a supplication for breaking the fast. And here's three sentences. Sentences. ذَهَبَ الظَّمْرُ 
ذَهَبَ الظَّمَعُ يعني the thirst has gone وَبْقَلَّتْ الْعُرُوقِ and the veins have become moistened وَثَبَتَ الْأَجْرُ and the reward has been confirmed inshallah although there is some difference of opinion concerning this hadith and some people said that it's really daif uh, no doubt it has some weakness in the isnad but there is no time to discuss all of the any discussion concerning it in any case uh, some of the major scholars considered it to be authentic and from amongst them is Imam Al-Darqutni who is one of the greatest scholars in the history of Islam one of the greatest scholars of the people of Hadith especially in reference to Al Hadith yani the hidden defects in Hadith and Al-Darqutni said he narrated this Hadith in his book and he said concerning it that Al-Husayn ibn Waqid narrated this hadith alone and he was a single narrator of this hadith وَإِسْنَادُهُ حَسَن nonetheless he said the isnad is Hasan Shaykh al-Albani says and he agrees with Al-Darqutni that in fact it is Hasan Al-Hafiz ibn Hajjah mentions in his book Al-Talkhis this hadith and he also agreed that the hadith is Hasan. أَكَرَّهُ الْحَافِظِ بِالْتَلْخِيصِ فَإِنَّ الْحُسَيْنِ هَذَا وَإِنْ أَخْرَجَ لَهُ مُسْلَمْ فَقَدْ قَالَ الْحَافِظِ بِالْتَقْرِيبِ يعني that he said that this narrator Al-Husayn ibn Waqid he was one of the narrators that Imam Muslim used in one of the hadith in his Sahih he accepted him as a reliable narrator um, which normally would, we would consider it to be, يعني, to be to be of a higher level not just his hadith Hassan but Sahih however Al-Hafid ibn Hajjah said in Taqreeb Thiqa lahu alham يعني, that he was a thiqa reliable narrator but he did make some errors and يعني, sometimes he made some errors يعني, not many errors and يعني, he wasn't kathir al-awham but lahu alham means that he made some errors therefore the grade of his hadith is reduced a little from Sahih to Hassan also, Al-Hakim said, after narrating this hadith, Sahih ala sharat al-shaykhin faqad ihtaj ihtaja bil Hussein ibn Waqid wa Marwan ibn Maqna'a yani He said, Al-Hakim said that the hadith is Sahih according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim but not, not so, not according to the hadith, not according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim but nonetheless, yani, his hadith can be accepted. Finally, the Sheikh says, I shall be sorry to you anymore. I come to Adunu Salik and Aidan in the Hazan Kaw and the Habi, with the Akiban Bihi Al Hakim, Al An Tabinabi and Nahu, Hikaya Minhu, Yakaw Al Hakim, Okaran Lahu Ali Kama Kala, Kama, Hia Adatu, Amma and the Takub, and the Yasru Bikoli Kultu Wazarik Madam, Yasnahu, Hona, but the Swed, Muskatu Sahih Al Sheikh Al Khalif Al Hakim. Yani, and he, it is, uh, some discussion here at the end whether or not there was a statement was it actually the statement of Imam Al-Zahabi or was it the statement of Al-Hakam and in fact it was the statement of Hakam not Al-Zahabi that the hadith is Sahih according to the conditions of Al-Bukhari and Muslim and it was the statement of Imam Al-Hakam in Al-Mustadraq and as we mentioned on a number of occasions Imam Al-Zahabi did a checking of the hadith of Al-Mustadraq and sometimes he used to agree with Al-Hakam and sometimes he used to differ with him نعم
Sahih. This is the yani this is the intention of Al Imam Al Hakim is the role of the hadith in his book Al Mustadrak it should be Sahih according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim or one of them. And in Mustadrak means that he checked behind the hadith reported by Al Bukhari and Muslim and found hadith which they didn't collect, which meet their conditions, both of them or one of them. And then Mustadrak means that he followed them up and brought some hadith which they missed and he caught them. Some hadith which are according to the conditions. It was expected that they should have narrated. But in fact, actually, Bukhari and Muslim both, rahimahumullah, never claimed to narrate in their books of Sahih every hadith that's Sahih according to their conditions. They didn't claim that. On the contrary, they said, both of them, each of them said in their own words, that I have not collected all of the hadith which I consider to be Sahih in this book. So really, it's not really a mustadraf on them, because they didn't, it's not that they missed it, but they didn't attempt to collect every authentic hadith. In any case, that was his intention to collect the authentic hadith to meet the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim or one of them, but they didn't collect it in either of those books. Then he collected them. But in fact, many of the hadith which he collected do not meet the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim. Not both of them or either of them. And some of the hadith, in fact, which he collected in Mustadrak are not even Sahih hadith. Not only not on the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim, are not even Sahih. Some of them are Hassan and some of them are Da'if. But many of the hadith, they are in fact Sahih hadith. Naam. But not in every case. It cannot be relied upon as a general rule. That whatever is in Mustadrak is according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim. Not so. Not so. Sometimes he said, according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim. Sometimes he said, according to the conditions of Bukhari. Sometimes he said, according to Muslim. But in any case, there are many yeah, hadith which don't meet their conditions. Neither one of them. Narrative. of Bukhari and Muslim. Now. In any case, what I can say about the Tafsir of Ibn Kathir that is recently published, in fact, they have made a great attempt to exclude those hadith which are doubtful or have some defects in them. Nonetheless, you may still find some hadith which they have accepted and included and they, it has remained in the Tafsir and yet they are not acceptable hadith. Inshallah, they are few, few. But we cannot say absolutely that they have يعني, ruled correctly on every hadith. There are some hadith which the scholars differ about. There are some hadith, for example, that Imam Ahmed Shafir, who was a great scholar of hadith in contemporary times, some hadith, sometimes he used to classify them as Sahih or Hasan, while they have some defects in them that are clear. So the scholars who did this tafsir of Ibn Kathir, this uh, يعني, Tahdeeb of Ibn Kathir that we have now translated into English. Sometimes they accepted the ruling of, of Sheikh Ahmed Shakir. But in fact, it's not always correct. But as a general rule, they have accepted his ruling. If he said it's Hassan or Sahih, usually they would accept it. But some other scholars said no, it's not really Sahih. So in general, in general, and you can say that the hadith which they have allowed to remain there are Sahih or Hassan. In general, the overwhelming majority. But and he, to make a final conclusive uh, statement, it's better that we look and see what the other scholars have said about it. And whoever has the ability shouldn't take the opinion of one scholar. Because the scholars differ many times on the hadith that are hasan or da'if with a small weakness. It's a very close line. 
And sometimes some said that it's Hassan, and some said, some said no, it's Da'if. So we have to look at other opinions and see whose opinion is closer to being correct by examining why did he say it's Da'if? Why did he say it's Hassan? If we don't have the ability to do that, then it's sufficient for us to accept the opinion of the scholars whose opinion came to us. It's sufficient. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only required of us to ask the people of knowledge if we don't know. If we don't know and we don't have the ability to know, in that case it's permissible to accept the opinion of those scholars who we know are trustworthy scholars. It's, it's permissible to... Permit Adhan? Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu anna ilaha ila anta staghfiruka wa tuba